Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Good so far? You know, there's like eight of you that are doing good. How are you guys doing so far? Yeah? Hot? No, I feel really comfortable, personally. Uh, today, well, if it's your first time with us, I'm, I'm Jim Del Campo, and uh, I'm the uh, lead pastor here, and uh, we're just glad you're with us. We are in uh, currently in the book of Acts. We've broken it up into four sections. This is our third time as we're progressing through these chapters. Uh, we're taking a theme out of each chapter because our goal is for you to learn books of the Bible. Uh, that's what we hope because we want you to become a very literate, biblical follower of Christ. Uh, so today we're going to talk about why worship only Jesus, which is a big deal. But before we do that, uh, I'd like you guys to learn a verse, and I'm near the end of these verses, and in a couple weeks I'll put up a new verse, but would you put that up there? There's one I want you to learn. We've been saying it for a couple of months, and then I'll add one more thing to this, and next week I think I'll finish it. But would you re- read it with me out loud? Just it's, it's good. The Bible says to give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Here we go. One, two, three. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, I see the word equipped there. It is the idea of being ready. And it also carries with it uh, the, uh, the word ended, E-N-D-E-D, ended, like something ended. But it doesn't mean in the sense that if you're ready, end, like it just means to the word of God as you study it and you obey it, it'll bring you to the end result that should be the end result of a life that you're living biblically. So it's going to bring you to that end, and that's what you want in life. Now, with that said, why worship uh, only Jesus? Why him? Because all over, the, um, all over the globe on weekends, we know that people are worshiping Jesus everywhere, correct? And we know that Jesus is God, okay? So let's clear that up right now. So when I say God, Jesus is God. He's the God-man. Now, the question is, why do all these people in house of worship, Christian house of worship, worship Jesus and Jesus only? But the better question is this. Why do you? Why do I? Why do we? worship Jesus and Jesus only. If someone was to ask us that, what would we say? Now, so I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, why do you worship Jesus and Jesus only? Now, I'm going to ask a few of you to raise your hand and tell me, you're not the preacher. I always got to share that, okay? Am I whistling? (laughs) See, there's all kinds of gifts and abilities you don't know that I have. Okay, so don't preach. Just give me a quick two, three-second answer, um, or else I'm going to go, uh, 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 you know, something like that, okay? So raise your hand and tell me, why do you worship right there? Because he, he died for us. He died in my place, so I'll worship him. Right here, it says. The Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me so, absolutely. Back there. He's our Lord and Savior. He's our Lord and Savior. Good. You're doing really good after the procedure? You look good. God has delivered that young man. He went through cancer. It was cancer, right? Everything, and doing great now after so many years. Praise the Lord on that one right there. What else? Why do you worship Jesus? Right here. He's the way, the truth, and the life? Yeah, absolutely. He is the way. You jump in on the way with him. You're a follower. Then you read the truth of God's word. keep in the truth. And then he gives you abundant life. Great life here on earth. Way, truth, life. You know, back there. A little louder, please. He's the only way to heaven. So I'm going to worship him as the only way to heaven. Right there, bro? I I couldn't hear you. Prophecy? Prophecy? Like all the prophecies about him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All the prophecies, 331 or two or something like that. All these prophecies that have come to pass. Yeah, so yeah. Now, let me move on because you're all going to, you are giving me great, great answers. So let's get into this. Why do we worship Jesus and Jesus only? Because there's there's some really great reasons why, and you've given me, Multiple that I could take and use as points in the message, but I'm not going to, okay? I got my own. No, I'm joking. But um, let me let you in on some truths here. Satan always wants worship. 
Amen? Satan will always try to divert our worship to Jesus, away from Jesus, through other means, eventually, so we'd end up worshiping Satan himself. Correct? We'll worship, people worship anything and everything. That's what it is. So this, this diversion. Now, it makes perfect sense why he'll do that. Because in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, we find that Satan, when he was Lucifer, he was the highest created angel, then he sinned because he decided, I want to be God. I want to be God. And so, since he wants to be God, he wants to be what? He wants to be worshipped. Now, that's how he lost his position in heaven. He still has access, but it's limited. It'll become a time he has no more access, but he still has access, but he has no more position. And so he wants to be worshipped. Last week we saw where Paul, in chapter 13 of Acts, as he's traveling, he encounters that guy, Bar-Jesus. Remember that guy last week? How many remember that? Please tell me you remember anything I said last week. Okay, good. Um, so he encounters the demonic head on. And when you share the gospel, you will encounter the demonic. There's a real spiritual war that's going on around us and in our lives all the time. Amen? In case you are a little bit skeptical on that, I would ask you, to, we ask the question, how do you know that you're in a war? Well, if you were on the eastern side of the Ukraine right now, how would you know you're in a war? Casualties. Civilian casualties, soldier casualties. Do we see casualties all around us? Addiction, depressions, divorce, fatherless homes, etc., 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 right? So we see all kinds of casualties. That's how you know you're in a war, all right? Did you know on this whole worship idol thing, because whatever you worship outside of God, I keep whistling. Worship, worship, I got to get it out. Worship, okay, got it. It's gone now. Don't whistle back, okay? Thank you. Um, let's talk about that. No, I'm just joking. Um, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, about 1920, let me get that right. Yeah, 19 and 20, we find that wherever there's idol worship, and an idol can be a person or anything, wherever there's idol worship, there is demonic activity behind that idol. That's crazy, huh? And why is that? Because to worship anything other than God, to worship an idol, is to divert worship away from God, move it to something else, which eventually it goes towards Satan, goes to Satan, because that's how he diverts the worship. So there is demonic activity behind all those things. And in the future of planet Earth and all the prophecies that have come true so far, I don't know how you couldn't believe in the Bible. It's incredible, but there's still some more to be fulfilled. There's an antichrist. There's a rapture coming on the scene somewhere in the future. I don't know if it's my generation or yours, but it sure looks close for those of you who know what I mean, right? It sure looks close. But there's an antichrist coming, and he's a human, might be alive right now, I think he is, who will be inhabited by a certain demon, and that demon, he'll be the antichrist, he'll be the world leader, and he will direct worship unto himself, but to funnel it towards Satan himself. And that's coming on the scene of planet Earth. So this whole worship thing is really important. Why would Satan want it so badly? Better, why do I sit there in Scripture and we're to worship God, we're to worship God and Him only, we're to worship God? Why? Why are we supposed to do that? Well, I'm going to answer that question today. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to Acts chapter 14. So if you got your Bible, please be reading a Bible. Please do that. Acts 14, I'm going to do, read verses 1 through 10, do some commentary to give you the idea behind the story. And then I'm going to give you three points. In point two, I've got three bullets. And then point three veers from the text, but I'm going to drive it home with one of my favorite reasons why, from Scripture, why we worship God, Jesus, and Him only. Sound like a plan? Yes or no? Okay, let's do it then. Okay, Acts chapter 14 and verse 1. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together. Question, how many men, in a Jewish men in a city, do you need to make up a synagogue? Say it. Please, it's not your question. Look how many fingers. Okay, uh, is that seven? No. Ten. Say ten. So you need ten Jewish men in a place, city, to make up a synagogue. So we know we have at least ten Jewish men there. 
So Paul goes into synagogues because he knows there's believers who believe in Yahweh, but he's going to try to get them to follow Christ, who is the I Am. Um, and, and he spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believe both Jews and of Greeks. So he's reaching Jews and Greeks. And now Iconium, it's a Roman province, but it's more Greek than it is uh, Roman. And it's in the area of Galatia. How many have heard the term Galatians? Say yeah. It's a New Testament letter. He writes to the Galatians. Verse 2. But the Jews who disbelieve, the ones who don't believe what he's saying, stirred up the minds of the Gentiles. A Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. And embittered them against the brethren. So now people are stirring up other people to go against Paul and the gang. Therefore, they spend a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord who is testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. So now they're stirring up people to push back against Paul. Now what does Paul do? He stays there, spends a long time there, and he's speaking boldly. He's bold and brave. Remember last week, daring disciple? How many remember that? Say amen. Plum, eight of you remember? Ten? Say amen. amen. I feel so much better now. Okay, you remember that. Now, verse four. But the people of the city were divided. So now it's causing division. Anybody live in a family that's divided on Jesus Christ? Yeah, there it is. It's always been like that. Um, And some sided with the Jews and some sided with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them. So now we have the cancel culture has shown up, right? I don't agree with your message. You must agree with our message. Therefore, we're going to cancel you. In this case, we're going to stone you and kill you because you must agree with us because there is no dialogue on any subjects here. Any amens? Don't be afraid to say amen. You're in church, okay? Okay, good. Um, So they want to kill Paul. They're going to kill him over the message. They became aware of it in verse 6 and fled to the city of Laconia, uh, Lystra, and Derbe, and uh, surrounding regions. So they... um, they decide to leave. They're going to walk 18 miles from Iconium. They walk to to Lystra, 18 miles. They're walking. Now, Paul finally leaves before he was talking boldly, but now he says, we got to get out of here. Why? Because they're going to kill him, right? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 23, that if they persecute you in one place, get out of there and go to the next place and continue to share the gospel. Correct? Okay, so maybe Paul... Is, uh, uh, is following that command of Christ. You know, verse 7. Or maybe it's just that they're going to kill me. I've got to get out of here. Verse uh, 7. And there they continue to preach the gospel. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, laying from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Now, this is important because you find this a few times. He's never walked. So no one can say that he once walked. And this is a gimmick. He's never walked. He was born this way, this man who cannot walk. Verse 9, this man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well. Now, stop. Now we find there's no mention of a synagogue. So that means we don't have how many Jewish men there? Ten. We don't have ten. So no synagogue. So Paul is just speaking to people out on the streets. And when it says that Paul spoke, it literally is the idea of he's just carrying on a conversation. He's sharing the things about Jesus Christ, death, resurrection, God in the flesh. It's an ordinary conversation. Now, this layman, as Paul is talking to to people, I would assume multiple people, there's a layman right here, never walked. The layman is listening to Paul. He's never walked. The layman is listening to Paul. Paul looks at him and he deduces this man has the faith to believe to be made well. Why, how does that work? Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The man is hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. This man now has faith. I'm listening to Paul. I believe God can make me well. Faith cometh by by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's Romans 10, 17, by the way. So now Paul, in verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised, I'm sorry, verse 10, verse 10, verse 10. I went and jumped in 11. So Paul says, with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and he began to walk. Do you think that caused a stir? Oh yeah, and now the party of worship begins. And this is where we pick up now. We're gonna go into our points 
of why we worship Jesus and Jesus alone. Because they're going to have all kinds of misdirected worship in this place. And Paul is going to set them straight. It's going to cause some problems, okay? So here we go. Number one in your notes, and that's this. Everyone will worship something. Say it with me. Everyone will worship something. Try it one more time. Everyone will worship something. Now let's read. Verse 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they saw the man's heel. They raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. What do they think Paul and Barnabas are? They're gods. Verse 12. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul... uh, Barnabas, Zeus, and Paul Hermes. Stop, stop right there before I finish. First service, I kept saying those backwards. And then somebody came up and said to me, no, I, I kept saying that um, Paul was Zeus and Hermes Barnabas, and a few people came up to me afterwards to correct me, thank God. And you know that for 43 years I've been reading this text right here, and in my mind it always reverses in my head? And I've had those backwards for 43 years? Can you believe that? I'm like, I was in shock. I almost felt like I shouldn't be the pastor. No, I'm just joking. Um, I took the correction, fine, because I like like scripture. So, So Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Now, what's going on here is this man has been healed. They call Paul Hermes. Hermes is considered the messenger of the gods. They call Barnabas Zeus. He's the god of the sky and weather. Say, sky and weather. That's important because it's important in the, in the whole narrative of what's going to happen. Now, the people all of a sudden, man's healed. We're going to worship. We're going to worship you guys. Everyone's going to worship something. Are they not? And you could say, no, I don't. <laughs> Whatever, guy, okay? Even atheists worship something. Money, sex, power. They're going to worship something. You find in the story here that they have a temple to Zeus. Did you catch that? And the priest in that temple, what does he do? They tell him, hey, Zeus isn't down. Oh, he's here? Now, Zeus is the big god in this Greek thing. So he decides, hey, I want to go check Zeus out since he's strolling through the city. And he brings oxen to sacrifice and he brings a garland, which means it's like a wreath. He probably wants to crown one of these guys. And so he comes there to worship them. Now, everyone is going to worship something or someone. So I, so I thought, how can I, I was thinking about this and thinking about this, and how can I really give example to this that would really give us a clear understanding? Because it's easy to say, oh, I only worship God. Okay, let me try this. Um, <clears throat> What is most likely, probably almost always, if we're not going to worship God, who or what are we going to worship? Ourself. Ourself. You say, oh, come, come. Let me explain. I'm going to explain it. When, when the serpent tempts Eve, Adam and Eve, Adam was standing right there, he tells her, Eve, if you eat that fruit, you'll be a what? Oh, you'll be God. You'll be worshiped. And in that statement, he says, you will know what good and evil is. You will make the decision of what good and evil is. No one needs to tell you whatever you decide, that's what it is. Right? So in other words, you get to go with what you feel and you think. You hear me say that a lot, don't you? Because I need to really pump that in my mind. You'll go with what you feel and think versus what God says. Because you're a God. And so we see the very first temptation right in the middle of it is to worship ourselves by going with what we feel and what we think versus what God says. And then I thought more and more on it um, and, and because, just side note, side note, Tebow, because I, I flew up to Portland Wednesday, drove Tebow home. He's here for good now. He's been in our church for a long time. Loves men's men. He had to go up for two years. We drove home a thousand miles from Wednesday to Friday. It was a great time. So I had a lot of time to think, you know, what do I want to put in here? And, um, and I thought like this, okay, we worship ourselves. It's, okay, remember the Tower of Babel? Anybody remember that? Okay, it's Genesis 11. 
And so you have this moment in time where after the flood, you have God saying in Genesis 9, I want you to fill the earth, spread out. Do they do that? No. They decide we're going to build a tower. We're going to gather together. We're staying here. No one's going anywhere. We're going to build a tower to reach the heavens. And here's what they say. They say, we're going to build this tower to make a name for ourselves. Oh, wait a minute. Flash forward, Jesus, Matthew 6. He says, here's how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, I'm supposed to glorify God's name and not glorify my name or build my name up. Any amens? Boy, that would sure change a lot of society, right? So we're going to do this to make a name for ourselves. So you see the self-centeredness. We're not going to go with what God said. We're going to go with what we feel, what we think. They progress on. They start building. God looks down for him and says, oh, it's not what I told you to do. So as they're building, things are going good. It's going up. The tower's going up. God decides he does. He confuses the languages because he's got to get them to spread out. So now they can't talk to each other. They don't know how to communicate with each other. And when you can't talk to people, you're going to spread out, Right? And they spread it out all over the world, and that's why we all look different, this, and we have different languages. That's why, guys, we're just one human race. Amen. That's it. That's it. We're all the same. They just look different because they spread out different parts, and when you have no trains, planes, and automobiles, you get stuck, gene pool, etc. That's why I look this way. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, so they're confused. Now they can't communicate. Now communication's breaking down. And then it says, the building stopped. They don't build anymore because we can't communicate. And then eventually, then they just spread out, divide, boom, gone, meep, meep, out of here. So let's take that now in an application. If you're married, if you came out of marriage, just let's see. This, I'm going to try to help one or two of you, maybe some of you, I don't know. When you get married, as, a, as followers of Christ, if you're not a follower, just listen to the example. You are, your compass is the word of God, right? Not what you feel, not what you think. But now you have two people, I feel, I think, I feel, I think, I feel, I think, and then you're going to think what you feel and feel what you think. But if you don't go with the compass, you'll go in all kinds of directions. It'll go good for a while in the marriage, correct? But I'm building a name for myself because it's what I feel and what I think. It's going good for a while. Building's going up. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Because I feel this way. No, I think this way. Now you're going to start to hit some divisions. Are you not? Yes or no? If you don't go to this, to resolve it, then what happens is pretty soon you can't communicate with each other, can you? I don't get here. I don't get him. What's going on? God, you don't make sense. No, you don't make sense. Why do you spend so much money? Why don't you spend any money? Why don't, it's all over the place. Boy, that one hurt right there, didn't it? Boy, that hurt right there. I somebody said, yeah, preach it, brother. Right? But you don't have a compass to guide you on these things. So now the division begins to happen. You know how many times I've counseled couples over the years where they were once in love and then they pull up, they need to talk to me, two different cars, sit in my office, six feet away, leaning as far away from each other as possible. I'm going, what in the world happened? I'll tell you what happened. The compass is gone. And so now I can't communicate. And what do we do? The building stops like in Babel. Building stops. It went good for a while. Now it stops. We're not going anywhere. Can't communicate. So now let's divide. That's why so many divorces in America. Did you catch everything I said? Did you catch it? What caused it? The compass. I'm going to go with what I feel and what I think because you know I'm God. Because I worship me. You won't say it like that, but that's what you're doing. You're not going with the compass. Get back to the compass and watch what God does in your life. Both of you. And don't sit there and say, well, when they start doing it, or don't go, when she starts doing it. I had to do the guy voice too, right? <laughs> Make sense? We're going to worship something. Make sure it's you worship God. And one way to worship God is to obey his word. Obey the company. Now, here we go. Let's move on, okay? Why do I worship Jesus? Okay, Paul said, number two, Paul said, there's three things, but this is going to be fun. Verse 14 through 19, watch this. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their robes because they're trying to, they're worshiping Paul and Barnabas. They go, no, 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 no. So they tear the robes because that's blasphemy what these people are doing, worshiping humans. And rushed out into the crowd crying out. Here's what Paul and Barnabas are saying, saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you 
and preach the gospel to you that you should turn away from these vain things. Say vain things. It's going to be very important. To a living God. Say living God. Okay. Who made the heavens. Say heavens. And the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Verse 16. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own way. Say go their own way. And yet he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good and gave you rains, say rains, from heaven in fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness, even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Iconium is where they wanted to stone him and kill him, remember? And he left there and walked 18 miles to here. And having won over the crowd, so they come there, they win the crowd, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. They stoned that guy pretty good, didn't they? If he's just like, he's dead, but he's not dead. Okay, Here, a few things before I get into this, okay? This is going to be fun, I think. They come there 18 miles. Get the haters are going to hate. Right? Haters are going to hate. Now let me drill down. These guys, they walked 18 miles because haters are going to hate. I hate this guy. How many of us have hate right now? Oh, Jim, don't go there. I came to church. How many of us have bitterness, unforgiveness? How many of us have that? And haters are going to hate. And you travel. I've never traveled. You travel in your mind. You travel in your mind and you pay them back in your mind and God knows that there's no difference because the Holy Spirit lives in us and he knows everything all the actions going on in my head stop it forgive let go it's over let me give you another another uh, practical application from this whole thing these people they remember a lot of them liked Paul first didn't they and then they turn on him are people fickle? Oh, there's plenty of fickle people. I tell young ministers coming up, I'll say to young men, I'll say to you bosses out there, do you head heads of department? There are some people, not everybody, but there are some people, they will like you as long as you're doing what they want you to do. And then the moment you don't, then they don't like you anymore. And they'll keep a record in their head, they're scorekeepers. They're going to keep score in their head. They don't like it because people can be very fickle. You'll have people when you're in leadership schmooze up next to you. Is that a good word? Schmooze? Ah, that works. Um, because they see that you might have influence over people or directions and, they're going to, and they know. They're trying to manipulate. When I was a young minister, I fell for these things. I don't fall for it all anymore. At least, I don't think I've fallen for it recently. Um, but they'll schmooze up next to you to get you, to try to motivate you to their agenda because they see you have the authority and the power. But remember, when you don't give in to them, they're probably going to leave you. They're going to walk away. Now let me flip the coin. If any of us in this room do that to people where you schmooze up to them, become their friend because they're in authority and you're trying to move them in certain directions and they don't do what you want and you get upset instead of leaving or talking bad about them why don't you try growing up why don't you try being instead of an 8 year old emotionally in a 40 or 30 year old body why don't you grow up and be an adult because people don't have to do what you want them to do you can hear no and maybe growing up in our crazy upside down world where you don't want to tell kids no anymore, you tell those babies and kids no. They need to learn no. Otherwise, we're just raising infants is all we're doing. And by definition, that means you're raising no one because they're still infants. Okay, I got to get to the text. Otherwise, I go all day on this topic and you don't want to hear anymore now. He says to these people in this, these verses, Turn away from vain things. The word vain means empty, useless. In other words, these statues, your, your idols, they're empty. There's no life in them. And that's what he's telling them. Is Paul telling these people the truth? Oh, yeah. Oh, you think they're going to like that? 
No, he's telling them the truth about their belief system. It's incorrect, but I'm going to tell you the correct thing, and he's not pulling any punches. I don't think he's being mean. I think he's being loving, but he's telling the truth, right? We need to know what the truth is in a world that so dilutes all kinds of things, right? 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 Good. That's why he started the Bible. Now, I'm going to give you three reasons in this. Paul said why we worship God. First off, bullet point number one, God is the creator, is he not? He's a creator. Now, let's read verse 15. Now, watch what Paul says. One, two, three, all together. And saying. Let's try it. Start again. That was kind of bad. One, two, three. And saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. And preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. They called Barnabas uh, Zeus, and Zeus is the God of what again? Sky and weather. But notice the heaven. So he's saying, who's the real God? Yahweh is the real God, and yours is a vain, empty thing, and our God is a living God, as opposed to your dead idols. You see that? So he's saying, our God is the creator. Now, Just in case. Just in case. Maybe there's somebody in this room. Let me just throw some out to you. And you say, I just don't believe this stuff. There's no God. There's no creator. Okay, let me, can I just throw something out to you that's a fact? It's, I didn't come up with it. Okay. A creator of everything. For a long time, scientists said that the universe was eternal. That it just always was. How you get that? I don't know. But then in 1964... About 59 years ago, and you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again in the future so you get it. Two guys by the name, radio astronomers named Penzias and Wilson, that's their last names. They kept hearing this hissing sound in the universe, and it was coming from all over the universe. They'd take their equipment apart, put it back together, try this and that, and then through a long series of evaluations, experiments, other things, they realized, and they came to the realization that what they're hearing all through the universe is background radiation which was the radiation from the initial moment of the beginning of the universe when there was nothing and all of a sudden everything began. And it's not a big bang, but we'll just call it that. Big bang and explosion leads to chaos. God created. And all of a sudden, there was no space, time, matter. There was nothing. How do you get something from nothing? That's impossible unless there's some kind of agent doing that. So space, time, matter begins. And what would it take to create that? Well, it takes a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, all-powerful person because you've got to make a decision with a mind. We call that God. And it totally fit within the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, many of them won't admit that, but many of these scientists admit a creator created this thing because now we know there was a beginning point in time where there was nothing, and then boom, here it is, and it begins to expand out. Isn't that wild? Yes or no? That's fantastic. And now they've made more discoveries. They know this had a beginning. Anything that had a beginning had a cause. The universe had a beginning. Therefore, it had a cause. And that cause is God. And that's scientific. And science points to a creator. I didn't make it up. It's what it is. Now, I'll give you another one, okay? Can I give you another one? Yes. Okay, good. Because I was going to give it to you anyway. Fine-tuning. Just consider fine-tuning of the universe. Do you know, have you ever, have you ever thought, because you take it for granted, so do I, that everything is fine-tuned for life, for you and I to live on earth. Have you ever noticed that? It's fine-tuned. How in the world does that happen on its own? A mindless, unguided, random universe cannot create something so fine-tuned. I'll give you one. The earth. And there's many things about the earth, but I'll give you this about the earth. The size of the earth. If the earth was... Um, a little bit smaller, just a little bit smaller, the magnetic field could not stop the solar wind and we would be living or dead on a place that would be similar to Mars where there would be no life here. If it's just a little bit smaller. If it was a little bit bigger, the Earth, then gravity would increase and it would keep everything in, all these gases and things, and the atmosphere would be so thick that we couldn't breathe and we would die too. So the Earth is just the perfect size. How does that happen? And that's one of a thousands upon thousands things of fine-tuning. Have you just ever thought, go like this. <gasps> go like that. But don't make that noise. Okay? 
You ever just thought about the air you take for granted every day? And the lungs that are perfectly suited to breathe in that air? You ever thought about that? How's that happen? Oh, it's a random universe. Unguided mindless had that. Oh, no, come on, no, no, no. No, it's fine-tuned for you. And that's one of the greatest arguments for the existence of God. Amen? So we worship God. There's a God who created all these things, fine-tuned it for you and I. He made the heavens and the earth. That's why I worship God. The second bullet point is this. God is loving. Now, God is loving, Paul says. Watch verse 16. Check it out. Read it with me. One, two, three. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go, go their own way. Remember that song? Okay, good. <clears throat> How do you get God as loving? Will God let you go your own way? He created you, but he said, you don't mind me, I'll let you go your own way. I'll let you go. You're going to suffer for it in eternity, but I'll let you go your own way. Now, I want you to think about that. He gives you a choice, does he not? You cannot have choice without love and love without choice. That's one of your reasons why you state in, look in Genesis, why did God give him the food? He had to have a choice, so there's no love. It's the, only way, the only way love can exist, the ethic of love is through choice. Without choice, you can't have love. Without love, you can't have choice. I'm going to give you a Jim Del Campo illustration, all right? You guys are going to hate it, but you're going to relate to it. Every guy knows this. Your late teens or whatever, or early 20s. And whether it's in school or at a job or whatever it is, you start talking to this girl, guys. And you like her. You like her a lot. I'll take you back to the 70s. She's wearing ditto jeans. <laughs> How many know exactly what I'm talking about? How many know that was the greatest pair of pants ever made for women that they need to bring back immediately? Hey, I'm human, all right? Dittos, man. Saddle seat, amen. You know? And so you like this girl. You like this girl. Now you're going to go. Don't look it up right now, okay? Look. <laughs> so you like this girl. And so you're talking to her, talking to her. And then, guys, then you decide, I'm going to ask her out on a date, which is the worst, worst thing a guy ever has to do. Right, guys? Okay. Two guys were honest. And so you go up, you're talking, you go, hey, would you like to go on a date with me sometime? And she says the words that we really don't want to hear. She says, I just like you as a... Oh, so you ladies know exactly what I said. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Okay, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. I just want to be friends. Mm, right on. And we guys say, oh, okay, that's okay. But it's not okay, huh? Because we go home and get the voodoo draw out of you. <laughs> she do that to me. But now, let's, this is where my illustration takes a crazy turn. And this is just an illustration. Don't go and say, Jim. Just, it's an illustration. Let's just say you're not going to take no for an answer, guys. So you pull out a gun. Hey, calm down over here. <gasps> it's an illustration. You pull out a gun. You say, you're going to date me. And we're going on a date, right? You go out on a date, and then you walk her to the door at night and say, I'm going to kiss you goodnight. And she's like... <laughs> and then you, you kiss her, and then you, you walk in, it's like... Bah! You know, like, like Snoopy. Bah! You know. And then, and then you go out on another date. He's got that gun. You go on another date. He's got that gun. And time goes by. He says, you're going to marry me, right? Yeah, I'm going to marry you. And then the day comes for the wedding. He's got that gun. He walks you down the aisle. He's not going to let anybody else walk. Walks you down the aisle. And then I'm up there standing there. I say, do you take this guy? She goes, yeah, because he's got that gun. And finally, you kiss her and you get married. Question. Is it love? Why not? You didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. See, without a choice, you can't have love. Love and choice and choice and love go hand in hand. Paul says, he lets you go your own way. You want to do your own thing? Go ahead and do your own thing. God's not going to force you to love him. He'll give you the choice, but he wants you to choose him on your own. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Then he gives you the third reason. God is a provider. Now watch this. Here's why we worship. God is a provider. Now watch verse 17. Read it with me. One, two, three. And yet, 
He did not leave himself without a witness. In that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. Now, think about that. He gave you rains. He's given you an agricultural society. He's given you the rains. He's providing for you. Amen? Now, think about this too. He lets you go your own way, but he still gives you rain. Did you catch that? He's still going to do some good stuff for you. While you're alive on earth, even though you say, I really, really don't want you. So God is, you know, he's the creator. God is loving. God is the provider. These are all the reasons Paul has given us to, to worship him. Oh, it's incredible that, he re, that we could reject him and he still does some good stuff for us. We wouldn't do that. Now, sidebar. Isn't it interesting that... Um, that Paul, as he's laying these things out, God is a creator, God is loving, God is perfect. He's taken them back to the Genesis story. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created, right? He's created. And then in Genesis 1, he creates, he puts land, water, the fruit trees, there. he's providing, correct? Then chapter 3 gives Adam and Eve a choice he's allowing, that's loving, right? He's taking them back to the Genesis story. It's a brilliant, brilliant strategy to show who God is. Now, let me move from um, this text for the third point, and that is this. This is the one, this is my, I, I try to teach this one a lot. What we worship, we become like. Say it with me. What we worship, we become like. Say it again. What we worship, we become like. Now watch. That's why you need to read the Bible. It's so incredible. Psalm 115, 4 through 8 says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. Sounds like a Seinfeld episode, man's hands. Oh, all you Seinfeld fans, God bless you. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. He's talking about idols. Next. Um, next. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. It's a vain idol has nothing. In it. Now watch this. The psalmist says, "Those who make them will become like them." Everyone who trusts in them. whatever you make for an idol in your life, whatever you worship other than God, whatever you worship, you become just like that thing. Is that wild? You begin to take on the characteristics of whatever you're worshiping. I'm going to give you a stupid illustration. Then I'm going to give you a biblical illustration. Then I'm going to give you a personal illustration of that. Is that okay? Okay. So when I was a young man before I was a Christian, around age 21, my, one of the bands that I just worshipped and loved was Kiss. Any old Kiss fans in this room? Gene, I was like Gene Simmons all the way. That's like who, I idolized the guy. And then they got saved, and I, well, this guy's really a sinner. You know? So when I was about 21, your senior pastor did something. Please, on the screen. That's me on the bottom. That is my real hair, actually. Um, I'm 21 years old, thereabouts. Those are my friends. Um, the guy on the top left is Darren Wagner's uncle right over there. That's your Uncle Mark right there, Darren. Uh, yeah. And so we all painted up to go to a KISS concert because I really did worship these guys and I love Gene Simmons. What I worship... I begin to take on the characteristics of that thing. Now, that's a goofy illustration, right? But that is your future senior pastor right there with his tongue out. That's testimony of what God can do in a life. Amen? I'm tempted to grow that hair back, to be honest with you. I'm growing it out right now. I just don't know what to do with it because I know if I go that long, I don't know what to do. I can't paint up again, so, you know. So take that off the screen. They'll never look at me the same again. So let me take it to a biblical illustration. What you worship, you become like. So they leave Egypt. Moses is carrying, taking two million people in tow. Red Sea parts, Red Sea closes, and they're now in the desert. Moses gets to Sinai, goes up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Remember that story? Okay. While he's on the mountain, what do the people down there do? <laughs> they start, let's make a golden calf. What else are we going to do? Moses, this guy's probably dead. So Aaron makes it. They bring all the gold which had been given to them to, to give for the temple. But now they're making a golden calf out of it. And so um, 
they create the golden calf and it says specifically this is your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and it says that they sat down to eat and they rose up to play ah to eat and drink and rose up to play so rose up to play play is the idea of sexual play they're having a sexual orgy eat drink sexual play oh wow they're drinking too they don't know what to do with their freedom alcohol never goes good with anything they're having a sexual orgy why because this golden calf this bull they made one of the gods of Egypt that they've been in for 400 and some years was Apis the bull god he was considered the god of sexual prowess and so they made that thing and now they worship it and they're becoming just like it follow me now let me give you a more personal illustration and this hopefully might help some people in this room when you, when you I, I don't counsel much anymore so, but when I did there, you find that there's no temptation but such as is common to man it's common to across the board you find these certain things it's like once you've counseled for a while it's just you find the same patterns you're no different than anybody else that's why when they say things in this crazy culture of like only this group of ethnicity has this no it's a lie because there's no temptation but such as is common to man it's in everybody or everybody has that potential so I, I would counsel and every so often this situation would arise where someone would be sitting in my office whether a guy or a gal and they're already like 30 some years old or whatever 20 some and uh, and man they just hate their father or hate their mother and I would probe more and more and you got grown people just crying and they, and they would make this statement I'll never be like her or I'll never be like him like their mom or dad and I would tell them this I said you don't want to do that because when you say I'll never be like her I'll never be like him question what becomes their focus mom or dad they can't get them out of their head and all the wrong things about them. And so your focus begins to replicate in your personal life. The thing you focus on is the thing you take on the characteristics on. That's why what you worship, you become like. You're doing the very thing you don't want to do. The smarter thing, the wiser thing, is to worship Jesus. Forgive your parents. Don't go home and say, Dad, Mom, I forgive you. All they're going to say is, for what? <laughs> and then you're going to be angrier. How many know have experienced that already? <laughs> Don't go back and tell them that, okay? Because you're going to be let down again and you'll be angrier. You forgive them in your heart. And then you focus on all the things that you can honor God or honor them for in the eyes of God. Because they had to do a few things, right? And if there's nothing they did right, honor them with forgiveness so you can be free. And you just worship God. And you make your focus Jesus Christ. Because what you focus on, you replicate in your own life. And Jesus is perfect. And He's loving. And He's wise. He knows how to handle relationships. He knows how to handle authority. He knows how to forgive. Whatever you focus on, you're going to replicate in your own life. The thing that you worship, you become like. And that's why I worship Jesus and Him only. That's why I get to church on time so I can worship Him. Because it's a transformation moment in my life. I get to worship Him. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Oh, God. Do we need this message badly in our lives if you sitting in this room have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ I hope today is the day 
I hope today is the day you put your faith in him for the rest of your life. Because he is God. He is the creator. And he does love you. And he gives you the choice to reject him if you want. He's provided for you. You say, I provided for myself. You didn't create air. You didn't create your lungs. You didn't create the earth. You didn't create anything. He's given you all the tools. You didn't create your own mind. He created it all. You couldn't do anything without him. And it's time to follow him. It's time to ask him to forgive you of your sins. Because we are all sinners. I've asked him to forgive mine. I ask him every day. Continuously. But you ask him to forgive you your sins and you invite him to take over your life. Surrender to him. Acknowledge that he's the only God. The only God. There is no other. That all roads do not lead to God. Only Jesus is the way. And then you follow him. You follow him. And the word of God becomes your compass. Or maybe you backslid. You know you left Jesus. You know it. Time to come back. Surrender to him. Put your life back together. Let him put your life back together through the compass, through the word of God and the power of the spirit. So if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus or rededicate your life, I'm going to ask you to do a simple thing first. Open up your eyes. Look up at me. I'll look back at you. When our eyes meet, you can close them. But do it right now. I'm going to look around them. Do it right now. Now, I'm going to say this prayer. And those who looked up at me, you repeat this prayer. We're all going to say it with you. But you have to believe in Jesus as the only God, Messiah, Savior. You're going to ask him to forgive you of your sins. And he's going to forgive you of everything. And then you're going to follow him. The Spirit of God's going to come and live in you. So here we go. All together, those who looked up, repeat with us. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough to die in my place, to shed your blood, to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I know I'm forgiven. Come into my life. Holy Spirit, make me new. I surrender to you, Jesus. Today, I become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm not turning back. Now let me pray. God, I pray, Jesus. I pray for everyone who looked up. Lord God, I ask that they follow you with everything they've got. Never turn back. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible in the lobby, the Welcome Center, and begin reading the New Testament. Stay there. Get into church. Get into church. Be a true follower of Christ. Get into a fellowship regularly and grow. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said amen, amen and amen. Would you stand up with me, everybody? God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you when we see you. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. Or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.